Welcome to B2B Better, a podcast that exists to explore what modern day B2B marketing looks like. If you work for a company with long sales cycles, has a complex value proposition, and simply pouring money into ads won't see you hit your growth goals, this is the show for you. My name's Jason Bradwell. Let's get into it. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Nick Patterson, co-CEO at Storm and Shelter. I was really interested to speak with Nick as a fellow owner of a creative service-based business because one of the biggest challenges for these types of organizations is how do we generate a consistent pipeline that isn't solely relying on referrals and word of mouth? Nick's been running his agency for over 10 years and seems to have cracked it. He's now leveraging personalized, targeted email sequences alongside all the other great marketing he's doing. And this has allowed him to unlock a massive amount of new revenue. So I had to learn exactly how we did it. So if you work in a business where pipeline is an issue and you're looking to explore new channels to unlock new opportunities, this interview is the one for you. Finally, before we get started, I'd like to thank SoPro for sponsoring this episode. They've just published an awesome report, The State of Prospecting 2024, which offers data-backed practical advice on how to optimize outreach in order to stay ahead of the competition. So I'm going to drop the link to the uh, report in the show notes of this episode. Make sure you check it out. Okay, let's get into it. Today on B2B Better, I'm excited to be joined by Nick Patterson, co-CEO at Storm and Shelter. Nick, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. How about yourself? Really good. Looks like we're matching today. We clearly both got the memo. All gray was uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> gray scale is the way to go. I, you know, color is overrated. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, I'm Nick. I'm the co-CEO here at Storm and Shelter. We're a production company that has been going back since 2013 in our 10th year now. Uh, and it's been an exciting one. We do a bit of everything really from sort of social content in terms of video production all the way through to TV commercials, brand films and all that jazz as well. And everything in between from sort of like explainer videos, animation. Um, we pretty much have a split between live action and animation in terms of uh, the team structure and the kind of work that we do. And work all all kinds of sectors, all kinds of clients. keeps it keeps it fresh, keeps it fun. Um, and yeah, it's been a it's been a really cool ten years. And uh, yeah, a lot has changed in that time. But it's but we're just keeping up, keeping ahead of the uh, ahead of the curve and innovating as we go. And we're going to talk a little bit about that change, specifically how your kind of go to market and, and kind of acquisition of new business has changed over the years. Because I know you've got an interesting story to tell there. But just take me back, you know, a decade ago. What prompted you? And, and your co-founders to go out there and start this business like what was motivating you at that time sure so back in 2013 i uh i not long left doing a master's uh and actually did it in audio production and music engineering and we got together a couple of people afterwards had a couple of drinks and got to know each other pretty well uh i met my other co-founders uh, a couple of times on different night outs and uh, we ended up getting this job that came along where one of us was like, hey, I need Welsh-speaking editors. And turns out I was a Welsh-speaking editor, did some bits and bobs in my spare time. And we did a project together where we shot and edited like daily highlight videos for a mammoth charity walk from South Wales to North Wales. Over eight days, like 25 miles of walk in a day, overnight edits, like After Effects, Premiere Pro, everything all rolled into one. And by the end of it, we basically say that we didn't kill each other or ourselves. So we started a business. <laughs> uh, 
And, <laughs> and, and that's been it since then. We've still somehow staved away from physical fights, which has always been really good. Um, and yeah, three of us really kicked it off. And then uh, Lewis joined us quite soon thereafter, um, probably about a year or so after we kicked things off properly. And yeah, it's been great. So the four of us effectively all sort of work as founders from there. And yeah, through a shared love of making cool stuff, pretty much is where everything started off. Just wanting to make really interesting pieces of content, really nice visuals. Uh, and to do it as something that we can actually get paid doing to begin with was great. And yeah, as we've grown now, like I say, we're a group of uh, 13 here full time in Cardiff. And yeah, it's been a, like I say, it's been a, a journey of growth uh, fraught with all the perils that come with project based stuff in the creative industries. I can definitely empathize with your with your position kind of being 10 years behind where you are currently with my own agency. And we were talking a little bit before this just about the the fun in which, you know, people management comes into play uh, when you start bringing on your first employees, as I have recently. And, you know, it kind of detract, distracts you a little bit from the great creative work that you want to do. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you when you set out to build the business, other than just the three of you uh, knowing that you weren't going to kill each other in the process of, of doing that, what was the value that you were looking to really deliver for your clients? Because, you know, you're a services business. Services, you know, for by, by a large extent are often commoditized, like you're not the only player in the market. What was the kind of secret source that you, you saw at the beginning that you thought you could deliver to your clients that would kind of put your cut above the rest? Yeah, I think, you know, when we started off, there were a lot of people just making videos and i think you know it's different landscape today than what it was back then where you know people were just sort of getting a camera putting it in front of people pressing record and that was basically it stuff that wasn't very engaging you know it never really captured attention it didn't really have any intent any real creativity to it apart from stuff you would see in music videos and stuff like that right so i found that there was like that massive gap between doing like what you'd call corporate content. And I think it's really interesting how that has become less and less of a, a moniker now for what that kind of stuff is, where, you know, we were basically trying to bring the stuff that we'd all learned through making cool stuff, making short documentaries, short films, music videos, uh, and bringing that more into like how we'd approach actual sort of like paid corporate client work. Um, and yeah, that's what worked really well for us was trying to bring more of that storytelling aspect into it. And I hate I hate the word storytelling. I think it's so overused, but it is ultimately so useful to really kind of illustrate the difference between just going, yeah, talk some stuff in front of a camera versus actually making sure that there's that real narrative flowing through everything that you do. And, you know, back then it wasn't as much of a brutal war zone for attention as it is today. Everyone thought that three minutes was, oh, God, I don't know if I can do anything in three minutes. Whereas now it's like six seconds is all you got. So it's a bit of a different landscape. But yeah, like I said, the difference for us was really bringing an element of that, really thinking more creatively, thinking a lot more from a visuals perspective rather than necessarily just ticking boxes, I guess, from a, from a, from a brief standpoint. From what I understand, your your kind of new business kind of prospecting efforts, you know, for a large part of your company's history has been in a place where a lot of service-based businesses uh, find themselves, which is relying on kind of organic, right, word of mouth, referrals, uh, things of that nature, like your, your extended network bringing business, you know, to, to Storm and Shelter. At what point did that, 
stop working? And can you just kind of unpack for me some of the reasons why you think that may have stopped working? Sure. Um, it's interesting. I think as you grow, you know, you basically look to expand or contract, I guess, to a certain degree, looking at how, you know, the industry's moving, how the demand is moving. And ultimately, you've got to obviously continue to innovate in terms of making sure that you're changing the way you're working to adapt to both what the client's needs are, but also, again, like that wider understanding of how the market's looking. And I think for us, it was, uh, you know, we did years and years of just sort of word of mouth referrals, you know, people saying, hey, you should work with these guys, and, you know, which led to work with some really, really great clients, you know, working with people like O2, you know, Yamaha, um, Twitter, you know, again, like great, great people to work with, great brands. But we just never told anyone we existed. It was literally just through word of mouth and people thinking that we were good at what we do, saw our stuff out there and found us. But like AR discoverability was near zero anyway. Like we didn't really SEO optimize any part of our website. So we were on, you know, dug down somewhere really deep in Google. And again, we didn't really do any kind of purposeful outreach in that sense either. And then it was sort of last year when, you know, I think everybody in the production industry really felt a quite a significant change. It was towards the end of sort of 2022 um, when sort of uh, the budget got announced. And I think everybody across a lot of sectors felt like things were changing a little bit and ultimately tried to hoard their cash a lot more and think a little bit differently about how they were spending the money. And as we all know, like marketing budgets tend to be like comically the ones that get slashed. And as a provider to that, ultimately, we didn't really see a lot of that either. So we had some great, like, uh, long-standing clients keep feeding us work, which was good, and a couple of campaign bits that came off, which was also really good. But, you know, a lot of the production industry really struggled. Um, you know, we saw a lot of big companies close down, even some independents, like really highly, highly regarded, highly respected companies get shut down. A lot of freelancers didn't see any work. And we were just like, we came out of the back end of a really cold, uh, cold winter. And we were like, look, something has got to change here because we can't necessarily just rely on this anymore. And then, yeah, basically sort of being a bit more proactive around it. We were kind of like, well, how can we actually do that? You know, how does sales really work? Because we never really done it before. Uh, none of us really had a massive sales background apart from working in, you know, working in game. Other than that, we basically were like, OK, cool. Like, let's start outreach. What does that even look like? And then started looking at options basically from that point in terms of going, well, how do we go about it? How are we going to do it? And actually, what do we need to do to change to be able to facilitate that a bit better as well? A really interesting shift, you know, for for a business owner like yourself who for so long has, you know, really from 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 having known you now for a, for a little bit and, and spoken a little bit kind of outside of the recording, obviously put so much emphasis on creating great creative work and it's such a kind of core part of your your day-to-day -to, -day to suddenly have to flip that switch and say okay well you know this tap has been turned off for reasons outside of my control I now need to look at opening up another tap to get that deal flow back in and that's gonna require me to almost retrain myself in a new way of acquiring new business and so just walk me through the kind of like practical steps that you took in order to move from this organic referral word of mouth kind of acquisition to a more proactive prospecting um, strategy? Sure. Well, I mean, the first step for that is to really know who we were. I think in that process as well, it was quite an important thing. 
thankfully we went through like a bit of a branding exercise I would say like the year before in terms of trying to hone a little bit more like around our culture and exactly how to really put that across and things like that too um and then we essentially went look if we're going to get out there we need to have to understand like how do we communicate what we do because as a production company ultimately we're quite varied in terms of the kinds of outputs that we do loads of different sectors loads of different outputs loads of different scales it's a difficult thing to try and give people an accurate understanding of where you slot in with their business, right? In terms of a B2B perspective, you know, they've got their own objectives. They've got their own look and feel. They know exactly from a branding perspective what they're going to need. Um, or sometimes they just generally don't have an idea of what they need and they need some help with it. But for them to be able to resonate with it, they've got to see a way to make sure that you will slot in with what they do or what they're looking for. So aside from going, hey, look, we're a production company. We make videos. Do you need videos? It was more of a case of going, well, actually, like, what do we genuinely offer that's different? Uh, how do we communicate how we're different to everybody else that's around here? And also, more than anything, like, how does what we do on a day-to-day -day basis really make us stand out in that crowd in terms of however many other production companies or, you know, producers, etc., who are going out there trying to win that work? We'd always been really favorable. Like, we'd already have a really strong brand which has always been really good. Like from the get-go, everybody, like we've had lots of really good feedback over the years about our brand and the fact that we are quite out there a little bit, a bit more, you know, personable in the way that we do things. We're very much more straight to the point. Our brand is very sort of, uh, is who we are, I guess, if that makes sense. We're very quite mm. human in the way we do it. You know, we don't really do the creative collective of content <laughs> filmmaking professionals who strive to all of that bullshit basically yeah. um we've always hated it and just stuck with more exactly like who we are and then we were like okay well we worked that out a little bit further we had really clear like branding exercises that we did we went through an actual rebrand ourselves as well and then through that process understood really how to better position ourselves within that and then from that basically ignited a fire to go okay great like let's start getting out there how do we start making those inter interactions how do we start getting introduced to people looked up loads of different ways of doing it ourselves and you know it's a bit of a journey to do that and then ultimately sort of you know stumbled upon the idea of actually funnily enough using one of our own clients because we've done video content for SoPro for instance we did some video content for those guys uh, a little while ago over a couple of different bits um, but we'd never really thought about it in terms of you know hey getting over that hump of affording to pay somebody to do outreach versus us doing it ourselves and actually going like, are we going to see a return in this, etc.? you know, blah, blah, blah. Is it going to reach out to the right people? Things like that too, which is always quite difficult. I think when you sort of hand over the reins of something like that to somebody else, but yeah, we went through that process and you know, that's been quite transformative, actually just getting out there and telling people that we're a thing has resonated really well. You know, we've learned a lot from the process as well, you know, learning of how we come across to people, you know, how our tone of voice resonates really well with some and not so much someone sometimes violently against us in other, <laughs> in other ways. Um, but again, you know, you know, I think a big mantra for us always is that, you know, we don't, we don't want to work with dickheads. And I think a big part of that is ultimately, you know, if people don't respond well to the way that we present ourselves or the way that we talk, then we wouldn't really want to work with those people anyway. So, yeah, but it's been good. It's been a good process of really getting that feedback in terms of who's responding, how are they responding, what are people looking for? And in a way, it's kind of doing our own market research within that in terms of finding out more about the industry on that sort of client side. 
the kinds of trends that people are actually looking for, the kind of budgets that are out there, how they're looking to spend it and how they're looking to work video content into their sort of marketing plans across 2024. So like it's been a really useful thing, not just necessarily just in terms of those reduction, those introductions and that sort of new business is one off the back of it, but also genuinely in terms of us learning how to actually better perform as a, as a company, um, which has been really good. Like I said, it's been a bit of a, a different kind of an unexpected offshoot, if that makes sense, from the whole process as well. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And you touched on a couple of really interesting points there. I think, you know, the first one being just recognizing the power in focus and finding focus. And I think, you know, I've sat on the other side of the table, client side, and I've been pitched by companies that didn't really seem to know who they were or what they did or, or why they did it. You ask them if they can do, you know, what of the what of these 10 things do you think you can do? And they say, well, we can do all 10 plus five more besides. And who do you do it for? Well, we do it for everyone, including, you know, your mum, your, your uncle, your, your neighbor and your best friend. And I've always found it somewhat disconcerting, you know, in talking to companies that present themselves as the everything solution for everyone because it's like well how can you possibly be you know when you are a uh, when you're a 15 person company where clearly you know your resources are going to be limited like in terms of what you can actually deliver and what you can really focus on so i think kind of like finding that 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 level of focus yourselves in okay well here's what we do and here's who we do it for and here's like why we're the best at doing it is something that people listening to this episode can kind of hopefully take away as kind of like the starting point when it comes to more effective, sustainable kind of new new business development. Something that's really important off the back of what you were just saying there is that it's not only good for a prospecting side of things to really understand like where you find your strengths and how you want to position yourself internally, like it makes a massive difference as well. Like if you feel more confident in knowing that the team feels more confident in understanding that as well. Like you'd be surprised at that point, what kind of things that actually galvanizes within the team. Even people on the team now are literally reaching out to people that they know, like in a way more confident way. You know, they're speaking to people from a perspective of being rather than just being like, do you need a video? Actually being a lot more in terms of like, hey, you know, actually we do this, we do that, we do this. Like, this is why we've been really good to work with these people. This is why I think it'd be good for you. And yeah, like we've seen, you know, new business activity happening, even from people who are just literally like working in the team, like the motion designers here, like animators are going out there and smashing stuff. And yeah, from a cultural perspective, like it makes a big difference, not only necessarily from a, you know, a sales and marketing perspective, but even just culturally across the business. I think that that is a really galvanizing thing for sure. And I also guess, you know, operationally as well, it makes it easier for you to kind of build a business that becomes um, more scalable, right? I always found when I was doing consulting projects, it was like starting from scratch every single time I took on a new client, because every, you know, problem was was unique. Whereas, you know, in my business now, as we found a kind of more defined focus, it's become much easier for me to, you know, think about who do I need to recruit that's going to allow me to unlock this next step of growth and not suddenly just become a drag on our resources in six months time when this like one project we've hired them for comes comes to an end. So it's almost like this trifecta of, you know, business development, culture and operations, all of them get better when you when you find that focus. Would you say that's fair to say? Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, I think, like I say, it does affect basically everything because it just provides a direction. And I think, you know, if you're all like the whole company, the whole business is aligned towards like the direction itself and everybody's like, cool, 
I know how to say what I need to say and how we're going to do what we need to do. I think it focuses a lot more decision-wise across the entire business, honestly, as a result. You know, we can make much more informed decisions as, you know, founders or as, you know, the guys running the company to be able to go, okay, cool, like, how is this going to benefit? And are we actually pushing towards that goal? And I think, you know, it's great that companies can have, like, those big goals and, like, have really clear KPIs, et cetera, but not everyone does, Hmm. you know, and especially in sort of smaller businesses. And I would probably say, you know, from experience, you know, a lot of creative businesses don't really think like that. Like a lot of them are more just like, do this, get on to the next one, do this, get on to the next one. It's not necessarily all unified by a grand mission statement and there's, you know, objectives and, you know, OKRs and all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, even if you establish the basic, you know, of that kind of thing and push it towards like how you go out and prospect, actually that helps other people then to realize, okay, that's actually a really big goal for us. So we can work towards that and actually be a lot more commercially minded about how they approach their own work as well, which is again, just another benefit within it as well. I want to talk a little bit about what you, what you said a moment ago there in terms of, you know, your team um, feeling more confident in doing their own prospecting and their own outreach, even unprompted outreach. And you kind of talked there about, you know, you gave a, you gave an example of instead of just saying, hey, we, we do videos, we can be much more specific, you know, in our messaging in those when we're reaching out to people. And so I want to talk a little bit about kind of personalization of messaging in prospecting and new business development in order to attract, you know, potential new clients. So can you just talk a little bit more about how you're incorporating kind of personalization into your into your prospecting efforts? Sure. So I guess at the moment, you know, where we've got a certain aspect of uh, of automated outreach, I guess, within that, you know, that's doing a really good job, to be fair, of making sure we're sort of focusing on the right references. You know, if we know the kind of people working in a certain industry, pulling in the right kind of references that make sense for them. You know, I guess it's the good thing about the fact that we've done worked with so many different sectors, so many different brands. But again, that can be almost a hindrance if you're just name dropping some people who are maybe big household brands, but ultimately don't really line with what that brand are actually doing. Um, You know, for instance, if you're working with, you know, a bike manufacturer, you may not necessarily say you've done stuff for Fairy Liquid. So it's just a case of making sure that what you're putting in front there is, is, is relevant. You know, ultimately, like it depends, you know, if you're going to try and actually speak to someone who, you know, from your perspective is, really important to speak to, you know, you know that you want to go about it uh, even more personalized, making sure that, you know, you are referencing specific things that they've done, specific things that they've said. You know, I give the same advice to, you know, freelancers or, you know, budding people in the industry here is literally just like use the same principles there. You know, you're trying to make an introduction to somebody, you've got to make sure that person feels seen, heard and valued. Um, A really big thing I learned from Amy Bateman Um, You know, she was basically always really sort of stuck by that mantra of being seen, heard and valued. And, you know, it's a really big thing for anyone on an individual level. And I think it's a really big thing to consider when you're doing any outreach to somebody, whether that is from a prospecting perspective or literally just from a connections perspective, is making sure that that person on the other end feels like you've seen them, like they're actually a person that's there, not just somebody on a spam list. You know, it's that somebody has seen sort of they've been heard, like you've literally gone, hey, look, and I've seen this thing that you've done. It was really good. I really like this particular part. And then again, the value aspect of making sure that you're like, well, actually, like, this is why I thought that was good. And that's a really interesting bit. I think the last part of that is where a lot of, 
you know, outreach fails for me personally on the receiving end of that. You know, we get a lot of other service-based companies sending us stuff, you know, because, you know, we often outsource specific parts of the process of production from post-production, et cetera. And, you know, it'll be like, hey, I've seen what you've done. I thought this video was really cool. Anyway, we do this. And it's like, great, you've just probably just scraped a project name off of the website and just said, this, this project name is really cool. And, you know, sometimes we format our stuff in a certain way to show that up. But I think ultimately it's making sure that the value bit comes afterwards in making sure that someone understands, like, actually, yeah, this is why I think that's good. Um, and again, you know, it's the stroke of the ego is to make someone go, oh, okay, fair enough. They've actually taken the time. And I think it's giving that impression is always a really important part of that for sure. It's so important what you're saying here, because I think, you know, right now I'm on the receiving end of what is clearly so much AI generated content and it's getting better, like in terms of its ability to sound personalized, but it's still very clearly been written by a bot. You know, it's like, for instance, people pitch me to come on B2B better all the time and it will be, you know, I listened to this episode, you know, insert most recent episode title here which featured, you know, insert guest name here, and you spoke about insert, you know, a summary of the show notes here. So it's gone to a certain degree in terms of its personalization, but it's still off-putting for me because obviously the person hasn't actually sat down and listened to the episode. And, you know, as such, I'd rather them just kind of cut to the chase. Be genuine in terms of, you know, your your, your outreach. Like if you're actually going to, if you if you identify a really important account, like you say, do the work, to really understand like why that account would care about what it is that you're trying to say and then make sure you you know put in the effort to reflect that like in the messaging that you're you're kind of reaching out to them with um genuine you know being genuine i think is the kind of main takeaway here yeah and i think you know at the end of the day like we do a lot of that automated outreach ourselves right and you know it it's it's proven really well for us in terms of people getting back to us and I think I've even managed to really turn people around from that sort of initial response being like, oh, yeah, you know, it, it's cool. We don't really need it to then responding with that bit of the scene heard and valued stuff that can be that even more personalized, you know, going, oh, great. You know, well, hey, look, if you need something else like, you know, we do stuff like this and send them a direct link to something, for instance, that is relevant to what they're doing or being like, yeah, you know, well, hey, look, if you ever want to refresh this particular piece, because you may have gone on it and realized actually they've got a piece that is three years old and it's probably not that relevant anymore. And just being like, hey, look, you know, if you actually want to update this piece, you know, we've done this, which might be a good good sort of, you know, barometer for where it should be nowadays, give us a shout to chat about it. So, and even then they're like, oh, actually, okay, well, maybe it's worth having a chat. So I think, you know, there's still the the benefit is still there to actually do the outreach. And I think that making taking that much time to personalize every single message that in that level of detail will be literally a full-time job a hundred percent and like i think that's the hard bit right whereas i think as long as you've bear that in mind even if you are doing a bit more sort of you know uh, an automated outreach to a certain extent you know that is still making sure that you know you are loading it with the right information to make sure that it's pe- speaking to people in the right sectors in the right way but also then following up then with something that is more personalized. If you've noticed, actually, there's a really good opportunity with this particular uh, prospect. So yeah, it's still still really valid. But again, it's the trade-off. But again, it's the trade-off, right? It's the trade-off. If you try to do that for every single person you reach out to, you'll never get anything done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Nick, 
where can people learn more about you and more about Storm and Shelter? Sure. Well, stormandshelter.com uh, is the best way of getting uh, getting a look at what we do. Um, and, you know, I am uh, Nick Patterson on LinkedIn. Come and have a look. See what I got on there. I do a lot of ranting. I'm currently in my transition phase between deciding what my personal brand really is, between being helpful guru and just being the person who moans about everything that people actually quite enjoy a good moan. So I'm literally flitting between the two right now. So uh, you never know which one you'll get, to be honest, on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> well, the, the Mona sounds more fun. So maybe I'll, I'll check it out and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Brilliant. Nick, thanks very much for coming on to B2B Better today. And uh, yeah, we will uh, put the links to your social profiles and the website for Storm and Shelter in the show notes of this episode. But otherwise, Nick, thanks very much. Hey, thanks, Jason. Thanks so much. So that was a great interview from Nick at Storm and Shelter. I've now welcomed on my friend here, Kit Smith, who is the content and SEO manager from SoPro. And I've invited him on because SoPro have just published this amazing state of prospecting report for 2024. It's one of the biggest and most in-depth looks at the tactics and trends that are shaping go-to-market prospecting across B2B. I'm going to drop a link to the report in the show notes of this episode, but Kit, thanks very much for coming on. How has Storm and Shelter demonstrated the value of personalized and targeted messaging as part of their new go-to-market strategy? So I think uh, one of the things that was really interesting was how Nick talked about the fact that you can't do sort of that one-to-one personalization in the same way you'd want to if you had like half an hour to spend researching kind of each and every prospect, but that you can still take some of that detailed approach and that kind of mindset into a go-to-market strategy. So, you know, he talked about kind of the work they've done on knowing their brand and knowing their audience. And that's kind of really important for, you know, personalizing messages at scale. And I think second, they, you know, viewed prospecting as that kind of initial introduction. So it's just that kind of (laughs) hello and, and kind of a testing the water to see if that person is interested and in market and wanting to know more. And something interesting, I thought Nick was saying that he replies to every message, even if that person's saying no. And at that point, you can kind of bring in that level of personalization that's really, that is really one-to-one and really well-researched. You know, you already know that that person is going to be a good fit for your business because you've done that audience work and you've, you've kind of Hopefully, you know, you've built a good list of people that you're reaching out to. So at that point, you can kind of jump in and do that more more one-to-one research. And then the last thing I think was, like he talked about doing that kind of one-to-one approach with more high-value accounts, like an account-based marketing sort of strategy. And that might be, for some companies, just the, the right thing to do on its own. But for most of them, you know, you're going to be doing inbound marketing as well you're going to have that networking word of mouth so there are different kind of approaches to it and I think that account-based marketing Nick talks about for the really important accounts can just form part of that those things don't have to work in competition with each other you know they can all work in harmony really well and I mean SoPro works with hundreds thousands of brands on helping them open up new revenue opportunities in your experience and I guess in the experience of SoPro what kind of factors do you think are holding brands back from adopting a similar approach to the one that Nick mentioned he's taken up at Storm and Shelter? Could be internal factors, team dynamics, bandwidth, et cetera, or external factors. Could you share your thoughts on that? Like I said, I mean, Nick talked about that work that they've done on on knowing who they are as a brand and also kind of knowing who their audience are. 
And I think that is that really kind of important starting point. And then you can understand how you fit together, how you meet their kind of specific challenges. And, you know, obviously that's a really kind of fundamental, commonly said thing about marketing. But, you know, how often have we sort of worked in businesses where the theory's there, but actually in practice, people don't know their customers or they haven't. They feel like they know their brand without having actually really kind of done the work on understanding that. So I think that's a, a really important starting point, particularly with Outbound. You know, you need to kind of know who it is you're kind of going out to and make sure those are the relevant people and how you can connect with them. I also think they had a, a kind of confidence probably and a, and a lot of good stakeholder management to kind of say, we can have an approach for high-value accounts that is really targeted, really researched, really one-to-one, and we can have a complementary approach to other people that's still targeted but not to that same level. And then we can continue to do our kind of inbound stuff. If you're going to go for that sort of approach, then you need probably to find an external partner. I think there's, you know, Nick talked about this being a full-time job if you if you actually kind of like look into it and do it. And so for that kind of like resource and capacity reasons, but just finding the data, just finding like how, who the people are, how you get their contact details, that sort of thing, making sure it's all compliant, all of that sort of expertise. Nick said himself, I think like, you know, they had to get over the hump of bringing in someone else and paying someone for something that you feel like you can do yourself. They realized that it is a full-time job to do it and that actually there's more that an external partner can bring. And then that frees you up to work on some of that other stuff. So when you... When you've got a partner working on those campaigns, then you can jump in and do the more more personalised. And then, and obviously, you know, it is about finding that right partner. You know, you're you're kind of like handing over a part of your business. You're going to be kind of concerned about the return on investment, but like, and if they can kind of fulfil what they're promising, but they also have to understand your brand and you know that they're they're going out there messaging people on your behalf. So you've got to make sure you. You find the right partner. And as we look at closing off this episode, give people listening some really actionable steps in terms of how they can deliver personalized and targeted messaging as part of their go-to-market strategy. Like what are the three or four things they should be looking at doing the moment they stop listening to this interview and they go back to their day jobs? So it's a recurring theme for me, but uh, doing that research on on your audience, I think is such a key thing. And like for, for our team personally, we had a, like a level of it already and we had a partner agency that we brought in to do that kind of help us with that research but some of it didn't quite ring true and I started to dive into our prospecting data actually and it's one of the great things about email prospecting it's just there's so much kind of data you've got all of those job titles and other you know points where you can segment the data by and we really dived into it and looked at okay like who are the who are we reaching out to how well are they responding and then we did a survey targeted around those and we kind of really got we built up these really in-depth personas that we knew were true based on you know like a lot of data and I think that's really kind of not just in our like prospecting and outbound outreach but obviously in our kind of marketing campaigns our inbound like it it's now just transformed the way that we do everything so as I said I mean that is a really commonly said thing but maybe not done as as often and as well as it could be you have to you do have to kind of assess like can you do this yourself and like for some people spending you know 15 minutes or whatever it is looking someone up on LinkedIn doing the research 
writing a really specific email. If you're a one-man band and you're sending five emails a day or something, like you can do that if you've got the time to do that. But if you start scaling it up, it just becomes a, a full-time job for someone. But then, as I said, it's about it's about finding the right partner. If, if that's the way that you choose to go, are they established? Are they sort of transparent about what they do? You have to kind of find the right partner. And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. Thank you so much for giving me your time this week. If you are a repeat listener, thanks for coming back. If you did take any value out of this interview, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review in your podcast platform of choice. It really makes a huge difference for an emerging creator like myself. Ugh, that sounded so bad, emerging creator. But I'm going I'm to stick with it because we're here. If you want to learn more about the services at B2B Better, you can visit my website, www.b2b-better better.com. A huge thanks to my guest this week. See you all next week.